thank you. Uh, thanks so much for being the church, uh, for bringing it um, into wherever you are. Um, again, we're going to be taking part in communion after we hear the Word of God today. So for those who are here in person, um, we will, uh, as the Word of God cleanses us and purifies our hearts, uh, we'll continue to be entering into that place of, of worship through not only the preached Word, but the enacted Word. Uh, for those who are worshiping at home, uh, welcome, welcome. Um, as our presider, Eugene, shared at the outset, uh, we will be coming to the Lord's table today. So if you want to spend some time uh, getting the elements, bread and, and, and juice, you can do that as we... Um, prepare to come to uh, receive grace in uh, just a, uh, a little bit. Um, I believe Eugene announced this maybe before they came in, but we did have a wedding yesterday, and Mr. and Mrs. Kim Sung and Eunice are in the house today. Uh, so can, we, can you guys just say hello, um, and let's give them a round of applause. They're here on your right. Let's give them a round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm, as I'm saying that, I'm reminded of something that uh, just like less than 24 hours ago, we were in the, in the cafe, and they're like, hey, when, um, was there ever a time when you, at Harvest you asked newcomers to stand up, and they're like, oh, we hate that? Um, as I was calling them out and just saying congratulations to them, I just thought about that and how uh, much they uh, don't like that. And so um, regardless, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and now we mourn with those who mourn. But... Um, the Word of God. Uh, we're looking at Proverbs. We're looking at what it like, looks like to live wisely in, every er in many areas of life as we go through Proverbs. I know that um, we've kind of turned the calendar to October. Um, I want to encourage you to continue to go through Proverbs because um, one read through a book of the Bible does not a man or woman wiser make. You understand that. Um, and as I'm going through this uh, um, through October, um, because we're continually going to be preaching through this, Josiah and myself, throughout this month, I want to encourage you to continue to engage in the book of Proverbs because there's so much wisdom to be gleaned as we're talking about and learning about um, so many different areas of life. Um, continue to do that. I know with the social dilemma having come out on Netflix and things, you may not want to do anything, have anything to do with social media anymore. That's cool. If you're on it, then hey, let's use it for good. If, you're, if you've abandoned social media and said, you know what, uh, it's not for me any, that, anymore, that's cool. But um, let's continue to read and grow in the wisdom of God together. Amen? Amen. All right. Suji and me, we're going to be reading Proverbs. Uh, I was talking with someone... Uh, he, he, was a, he was a father. Uh, he is a father. I was talking with him. He's got um, some kids in college and, and beyond now. But um, we were chatting on, uh, on, on Zoom the other day, and um, he was telling me about a conversation that he had with uh, one of his sons who's in college. And he was saying, um, the son was asking him, hey, when's the last time you saw grandma in Korea? And uh, the father said, oh, it must have been about, it's been about five years since I went back. And the son said, wow, like that's such a long time such a long time. And then as he was uh, thinking about that processing it, he just kind of said off the cuff, the son said, when I graduate college and I get a job and uh, I'm going to come and visit you and mom every five years. He said something like that. And all of a sudden the dad felt really just kind of like cut to the heart. And he, he realized, man, you know, five years is a really long time. And, it, you know, it, there was some timing involved in it because um, on that phone call, um, he had just heard that his mother was diagnosed with what um, was, uh, they thought at the time, is late-stage cancer. They, haven't, uh, they hadn't had the diagnosis by then, and they're still, um, I, haven't gotten, I haven't followed up with him. But um, he was saying that's what the situation was in his mother's life when he realized, wow, you know what? Um, 
so much time has gone by, like so much time has gone by, and uh, we need to prioritize the things that matter. What matters the most to us should be reflected in the way that we spend our time, right? Like if, if someone matters to you, uh, you ought to be willing to spend time with them. You ought to make time for them. If, if God matters to us, then we ought to make time to be with God, right? If someone were to look at your life and they were to, to track the hours that you spend doing the things that you do, what would they say matters the most to you? Because wisdom dictates that what matters to us would be reflected in the usage of our time. Today, as we look at the Word of God, we're going to look through the wisdom of Proverbs and see what does is, what is wisdom look like as it relates to the time that God has entrusted to us in this life, on this planet, in this world. What is life, what is time, what does time look like through the lenses of wisdom and falling. So what we're going to do, we're just going to read one main passage today from Proverbs chapter 6, and we're going to ask ourselves, am I being wise with my use of time, or am I be f- being foolish with the use of time? Proverbs 6, we're going to read verses 6 through 11. We're going to be introduced uh, to a character that you've seen often throughout the Proverbs. His name is, her name is the sluggard. We're going to see Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. Proverbs 6.6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. This is the word of God for the people of God. What do we see? What are we seeing here? I just want to bring out two thoughts about the wise and the foolish use of time. Here's the first thing. Time is the most valuable currency that you have. Okay? Time is the most valuable currency that you have. You, you got to realize, of all the different currency, of all the different uh, commodities that you have, right? if you've got money, if you spend money, if you waste money, if you invest money, whatever you do with money, you can get that back. If you lose all of your money, there's a way to get that back. You can ask for money from someone, you can borrow money, you can steal money, you can do what a bunch of different, you can sell things on, on Craigslist. There's a million different ways that you can get money back, and that's true of most things in life. You break a computer, well, it's just a computer. You break your, 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 your uh, clothes, get moth holes in them, you can get clothes back. But the one commodity, the one currency that we have that we cannot get back is time. As soon as a second is gone, you're not getting this second. This second, you're not getting this second back. We're either wasting our time, we're spending our time, we're investing our time. How are you using your time? Again, we're introduced here to a person called the sluggard, and when we think of a sluggard, we usually think of someone, that person is just lazy. That cat's always sleeping, always on his bed, always asleep, always doing things. And that's true. A sluggard is oftentimes pictured as doing that. However, I think a clearer understanding of the sluggard is someone who is doing something 
in this moment other than that which they ought to be doing. They're doing a bunch of different things potentially that are good at the expense of the one thing that is most important in that moment. And oftentimes in Proverbs, what that sluggard is doing is they're sleeping. But it's any time we ought to be doing one thing, but we're doing another thing. When we're, we ought to be worshiping God and we're checking our fantasy football lineups because some of the players got COVID-19. When you ought to be sleeping but instead you're up watching YouTube and TikTok videos all night. When you ought to be studying, but you're sleeping. Whenever you're doing something other than that which you should be doing right now, that is the description of the work of a sluggard. Always doing things that they ought not be doing. And so in order to awaken and wisen up the sluggard, the writer of Proverbs says, hey, come with me, let's go and let's learn. If you can't learn from people, let's learn from nature. Let's, let's come and examine a bug's life. And it tells us, let's watch the ant. Have you ever observed an ant before? Or a, or a colony of ants as they do their stuff? I think that probably most men over the age of about 35, have observed ants one time with a magnifying glass held up against the sun, and we've burned ants. Anyone done this before? Come on, yeah, that's okay, yeah. Uh, this is what people uh, at a certain age do because we didn't have uh, YouTube and Netflix and things like that, so we burned ants. But here he's saying, let's observe them in a different way, in a different way, this is what they do. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Here's what it's saying. No one tells the ant what to do. Its mother doesn't say, hey, uh, uh, baby ant, let's go and let's do these things. No one commanding it, no one overseeing it, no one ruling over it. It just intuitively knows what to do. That's why the writer of Proverbs says, consider it and learn wisdom. He's saying the ant is extremely wise. Why? Because at the harvest time, it goes out and it gathers its food. Okay, harvest time is probably like when you're having a picnic somewhere and you see these ants like taking your food away. At harvest time, the ant gathers its food and then it stores it in the summertime. Here's what he's saying. There's a time to harvest and there's a time to store and the wisdom of the ant understands, knows that there's a time for everything, and if it misses this window, then come the next time, the next season, there will be no food for that ant. He can't say, hey, you know what, it's, it, it's harvest time, I know that, I'm not going to gather right now, I'm just going to wait, I'm just going to hang out with my friends a little bit, and, and, and maybe a few months later we're going to go and we're going to look for our food. He's saying once they go there, they're going to realize it's gone, and so without anyone telling the ant what to do, in wisdom it knows there's a right time to do this and there's a wrong time to do this. Wisdom means doing the right thing at the right time. Foolishness means doing the wrong thing when you ought to be doing the right thing. Because the ant knows, if I miss this window of time, then that time is gone and I'm never going to get that back. Some of you know this, right? If you watch the presidential debacle, I mean the, president, not the, the presidential debate on Tuesday night, you felt like, oh my gosh, what did I just watch? I just wasted an hour and a half of my life. And some of you may have said this, that's an hour and a half of my life that I will never get back. 
But here's your reality. Whether you're watching the presidential debate or you're watching another show on Netflix, all the things that you're doing every moment of your life is a moment of your life that you will not get back. Cobra Kai, um, at, at the end of the second, uh, towards the end of the second season, um, the, the, the old gang from Cobra Kai, so if, you don't, if, you're, not, if you're not followers of it, um, about 30 years ago there was a movie called Karate Kid, and there was a bad group of kids called the Cobra Kai. That was, they were part of the group called Cobra Kai, and now 30 years later there's a movie about the lead character, the main bad guy, Johnny Lawrence. And at the end of the second season, that old gang gets together again because one of, the, one of the members, now 30 years later, has become a pastor. He calls Johnny up and he says, hey, we got to come down to San Bernardino or whatever it is. got to come down here because, um, well, I'll tell you when you get here. He gets to the certain place and he realizes that one of their guys, Tommy, is dying um, presumably of cancer. They've tried everything. It has not worked and he's dying, and so they're like, let's get him out of here. They take him out, so for the last days of his life, they drive in on their motorcycles, and they're singing songs of, from the 80s, and, and they do the things that, that people of the world do before they, they die. They, uh, they get into fights at a bar, and they practice their 30-year-old karate and all that stuff, and, and they, go to, uh, they go camping. And, and this one, one scene where Johnny and, and Tommy are talking, it's probably the mo- one of the more serious scenes in the series up until now. Um, Johnny's talking about, man, this is my, these are my hopes and these are my dreams. I want to get back with Allie and then this is what I, you know, these are the regrets that I have and I, I'm so sad about my past and these things. And Tommy looks at Johnny, this man who's dying of cancer, speaking to this man full of regret. And he says, Johnny, you still have the one thing in life that matters is you've got time. You've got time. I told you, Cobra Kai, man, this is the wisdom of Proverbs. <laughs> like he's spitting truth that this is the one, it's the most valuable commodity that you've got in life. I was just thinking this week how quickly time flies. Like I've been, it's been uh, almost two decades that, uh, that I've been down here, and, and a lot of the people that uh, I, I'm, uh, obviously, you know, if I've been here 20 years and the people I saw who were three are now 23, it's not like time changes for anybody else. But I was kind of, it, it was put in my face this week. I was talking with our, um, our, one of our Vision Church pastors, Pastor Beck, and, and I was talking with uh, one of our deacons, uh, Chase, um, two separate con- conversations. But they were saying, you know, it's, uh, they're just talking about the, the state of church. And they said, over 50% of the people in Vision Church are over 60 years of age. I was like, oh my goodness. They were like 40 when I first came. And again, it makes sense. Like time grows wings and it flies away. And I thought about that. My goodness. Hurry up. We're not getting any younger down here, are we? Time flies. And every day that you have is a day to be invested into that which matters because it's a day that's not coming back to you. And so what does, what does the ant, what would the ant say to the sluggard? Well, this is what he says in verse 9. It says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. 
I don't know if that conversation happens to you in your house in the morning for virtual school or it happens when your husband or your wife tries to wake you up. How much longer are you going to sleep? Your clock, alarm clock's been going off just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, just a little bit more. And by the time you wake up, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm late for school, I'm late for first period, or I'm late for work or whatever it is. He's saying it, it starts out so small. It starts out slow. It starts with just a little bit of sleep, a little bit more. How much, how much more do you need? How much more time do you need to, to waste? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Just a little folding of my hands to rest. Not a lot. I'm not going to sleep a long time. I'm not going to waste my time. Just a, a little bit. Doesn't this happen when you're watching a show on Netflix? I'm just going to watch one show. Olive, let's just watch one episode of Cobra Kai. To just one. Just one. And then what ends up happening? They're suckers, man. Netflix is actually, we're suckers because of what Netflix does to us. Here's what they do. The show, they, bam, cliffhanger, bam, it comes. And you're like, oh my gosh, what just hit me? And by the time you realize what hit you before the credits even come on, that little circle says 10 seconds left. Next episode starts in 10 seconds. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and already, like, by the time you come to your senses, five seconds has passed by. Like, oh my gosh, five seconds. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to... Are we going to watch another? Oh, we got to go to sleep. We're going to regret it. We got to go. And then, oh, but the remote control is all the way over there. Forget it. We've lost. It's as if we cannot stop the thing. We can't go up and stop it and rewind. We're like, I oh, forget. Okay, fine. We have to watch another one. Another episode comes on. Let's wise it up. We're going to be ready. We're going to be ready. At the end of this episode, okay, we're going to stop it. And then it, 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 it like, confound you like what just happened and then it's like five seconds again oh my gosh and before you know it it's just how many more how many episodes just a little <laughs> just one maybe two or three or four by the time you know it you're like oh my gosh i've got to go to work tomorrow oh my goodness the kids are already awake that's craziness but that's often what happens? Just a, it, it starts out small, just a little bit. How much? Just a little bit. How much more? Oh, not much more. And before you know it, that which is unthinkable has come upon you and it snuck up on you. Don't you feel that sometimes when you think about, oh my goodness, I've only got three years left before my kids go to college. Time flies. I'll tell you what, the reason time flies is because we are not intentional about the way we spend our time. If you're, can I say this? If you're, if, you, if you're thoughtful with how you spend your time and you're present for the moments of those lives, time doesn't fly. You're living in it in real time. You're living there. You're in that moment. You're there. And so by the time they go, you're like, okay, I've prepared them well. The reason we feel like time flies is because we don't feel like we've done what we should have been doing when we should have been doing it. Here, the sluggard, over 30 verses talk about the sluggard in Proverbs, and what it constantly says, what it constantly says is there are activities that the sluggard does and activities that they do not do. Here's what the sluggard does. He wants, she wants, they wish, they desire, they say, they talk about all these things, but they never get it. In another passage, it says, and you might have read this and you remember it because it's so vivid in its imagery, the sluggard puts his hand into the bowl but cannot even lift it to its mouth. It wants, but it cannot enjoy the fruit of that labor because that which it ought to be doing, he or she is not doing that in the moment he or she should be doing it. 
Guys, can I tell you something? Time is the most valuable asset, commodity, currency that you have. It's not enough to say, I wish I was growing in community. If you wish it, then get into community. What are you waiting for? Get into a house church. Get into a small group. Don't wait. What are you waiting for? Oh, you know what? I really should be, I really should be living a little bit more X, Y, Z. What are you waiting for then? Do it. I remember one time I was, I was uh, this is many years ago, I was, I was looking at, I was sitting at my desk in my, in my office at church and someone walked in and um, I was like, dude, man, my desk is such a mess. And he said to me, why don't you clean it? Oh, that's a great idea. I never actually thought about that. I'm just thinking about wishing for a clean desk but never doing anything to clean it. Some of you really want to grow in your relationship with God, but you're not doing anything to grow in your relationship with God. So we throw these opportunities. There's house church, there's SNF, there's serving in this way, there's prayer meetings, there's Harvest 201, there's this uh, three-strand prayer meeting. I want to really encourage some of, some of us really need, actually all of us really need to pray, but some of you really need to do this. I had, man, if you talk to Suji, she could tell you there were testimonies where we're encouraging people, just get in groups of three. Okay, get in groups of three, bring your most urgent prayer requests, things that you desperately need God to answer, and for 10 days, we're going to pray about it early in the morning. She'll tell you testimonies of how these just crazy prayers have been answered, and there are countless testimonies of things like that. The reason we don't see miracles is because we don't ask for them sometimes. Because we don't believe God for them. Because if we don't believe, we don't have other people who are believing for us and doing that on the regular. Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Literally what he's saying is, ask, 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 ask. Keep on asking until what you ask for has been given to you. Knock, 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 knock. Keep on knocking until the door opens. Seek and seek and seek and seek until you find that which we're seeking. But a lot of times we ask until we get tired of asking. We seek until we don't want to seek anymore. We knock until we get tired of knocking. And so we leave so much of God's blessings in heaven rather than pulling them down into earth by faith. And we want and we want and we want, but we're not willing to invest our time into it. Let's not waste our time because that's the most valuable currency commodity that you've got. First thing that we see here. The second thing that we see, and the second thought about wisdom as it relates to time, the encouragement is to live wisely. Live wisely today so you don't regret it tomorrow. Okay, did you know that what you do today impacts your life tomorrow? Yeah, I know that. But, but, but do we live the, that way? Sometimes we think, wow, uh, I know this, I'm going to pay for it later, but for some reason we disconnect future me from present me and we treat future me as if that's a stranger, someone completely other than me. Well, they'll, they'll deal with it at that time, not knowing that it's me who's dealing with it at that time. You hear people say, and sometimes you'll see this on interviews, like really successful people. Hey, uh, if you could go back in time and tell your, your young self, when you were 10 years old, if you could tell them anything based on what you know, what would you tell them? What's the point of that exercise? Well, it's not for them, it's for the people listening. Learn these lessons. But the reason they're telling younger them is so that they could make the most of their time without wasting it along this path of life. 
you can't go back and change time. But can you, can you think about this? What if you could tell your future you something? What would you tell them? Because that's what you can change. You can't change past you, but you can change future you. The question is, will you? Okay, how you live today is going to impact the quality of your life tomorrow. The choices you make today, the things you invest into, for good or bad, you reap what you sow tomorrow. This is what it says, Proverbs 20. I just want to read one more verse, Proverbs 24, 20, verse 4. A sluggard does not plow in season, so at harvest time he looks but finds nothing. Okay, sluggard doesn't plow in season, doesn't do the work in season, so that when the harvest comes he looks and there's nothing to be seen. What is it that they did not do? In the moment, in the window of time that they had to plant, they didn't. So when the time of harvest came, there was nothing. They didn't do yesterday what they wished they had done as they live in the midst of today. During this pandemic, uh, several of us, I know several of us, Olivia included, um, got into uh, gardening some. I know uh, Rick Terrell got into gardening. Some other folks did. I think Aaron Hines. Other folks were, were into, into gardening. Um, this has been kind of, kind of neat for us when there was nothing else to do and nowhere else to go. Uh, we would look at our plants. And, and so if you can imagine, we got together all of the people. We just made a, hey, a, little, a little group, affinity group for harvesters harvesting, and we decided to make this little club, and we have... Um, Weekly Zoom meetings, okay? Weekly Zoom meetings where we get on our phones and we show each other the crops that we've made, <laughs> that, that have come up. This is really exciting, right? So we're like, oh my gosh, look at these jalapeno peppers. Like, these are amazing and they're so spicy that no one can eat them. But the fact that something grew out of the ground is amazing. And, and look, we've got mangoes and, and look, you've, you, you've got basil or uh, whatever it is. You've got all of these different things that have grown up. And then we say to, to this one guy, we're like, hey, what do you got? And he looks and he's like, my I don't have anything. Like, I've got no, nothing on my, I don't understand. How come you guys have all of these things and, I, and I've got nothing? And then we start feeling bad. Oh, my gosh. Guys, let's have our little harvest farmer's market and, and bring some over to that person. We're like, what did you plant? When did you, when did you start planting it? And he's like, what do, you, what do you mean, like, planting it? Like, you guys planted something? Uh, yeah, that's why we're growing these things. That's why we're harvesting these these, these fruits and vegetables, you, you mean you didn't plant anything? <laughs> That's, what would you say? What would you call that person? Well, I know you don't want to be mean because we've talked about the, the wise use of our words in Proverbs, but the writer of Proverbs, here, here's what the what writer of Proverbs would call them. He would call them a fool. You idiot. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person who thought that they could have a harvest without planting crops. You idiot, like that person is such an idiot, whoever that person is, because they're expecting a harvest, but they didn't plant any seeds that would yield a crop. And so they thought that we could do whatever we want today and live our best life tomorrow and have no regrets. What Proverbs is telling us is, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. The choices that you make, the things that you do today, deeply and really and profoundly impact your tomorrow. So you need to think about the way that you're spending then 
your time. All of us. Okay, all of us. Okay, and, and this is the cool thing about time and the cool thing about, not all of us have the same amount of money. Not all of us have the same number of cars, the same net worth, but all of us get the same amount of time each day to live. In that sense, you are as rich as anybody else in the world. 24 hours a day. So let's think about the average person needs, I don't know, seven, eight hours of, of sleep. You, you eat for another hour or two. I don't know what it's exactly like, but let's just skim off and, and, and say you've got, okay, you've got 16 hours that you're alive, that you're awake, right? Every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. What's that mean? For the 16 hours that you're awake, how can God have his way with me in those 16 hours? Not just in the five minutes that we sing that song. What does wisdom look like? It means we think about the way that we're living. Most of us, for the majority of our day, we're spending time doing that which is our calling. For some of you, that's to be a student. Listen, if you're a student, you should be the best doggone student that you can be because that honors God. Do you know that? If you're working, whatever it is that you do for work, your eight hours, nine hours of work, you ought to work with all of your heart as if you're serving God as your boss, as Paul says. That honors the Lord. If you're a homemaker, if you're a housewife, if you're a homeschool teacher, if you're whatever it is that you do, whatever you do for those moments of your life, if you're, if you're called in this state of life is, I just watch my grandkids, that's what I do. If your state in life is... Uh, X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, as a student, as a worker, as a person who cares for others, whatever it is that you do, you do that to the best of your ability. That's what it means to be wise with your time. None of that is, oh, I just got to do it for the sake of doing it. That is your platform. That is your area in which God is calling you to worship him in this station of your life. So what does that mean? Well, I remember years ago hearing the story of this revival meeting where this preacher was talking, and he just talked about living for, uh, for God's glory in every moment of life. God uh, listens, watches everything that you do. And at the end of that service, there was an elderly man at the back of the service. He had his head down, pensive, thoughtful, thinking about what he had heard. And so this preacher went back to him, and he asked him, he said, um, how's everything going? And this man was, I mean, it was kind of like he, he was distraught in a sense, he was confused in a sense, and he said, you said tonight that everything that we do matters. Like everything we do matters to God. And the preacher said, yeah, that's true. Like everything you do, the way you talk, the way you eat, the way you sleep, the things you do, the way you spend your time, all that stuff matters. And he said, when I was a kid, I went to um, a revival meeting at our church and the preacher was preaching about living for the glory of God, living for the kingdom of God, building the kingdom of God. And he said, how many of you want to live for the glory of God? How many of you want to build the kingdom of God? And all of us kids raised our hand. We said, we want to live for God's glory. And so he invited us kids to come up to the stage, and he held the microphone, and he said, how do you want to do? What do you want to do for the glory of God? And this kid went up there and he said, I, I want to be, this boy said, I want to be a pastor and I want to tell people about Jesus for the glory of God. And, and, the, and the preacher said, praise God, that's amazing, that's amazing, we're going to pray for you, go ahead and do that. And this other girl went up there and she said, I want to be a missionary and I want to tell people who don't know about Jesus, I want to tell them about Jesus. And he said, bravo you, go ahead, we're going to support you 100%, you're doing a great thing. And then this man said, and I was little, I was five, six, seven years old, 
and I said, I want to be a teacher for the glory of God. And the preacher looked at me, and he shook his head, and he said, no, I don't think that's good enough. He said, why don't you go and sit down and pray a little bit more? So he went and he sat down, and as he was telling the story, he said, for all of my life, I've believed that my life wasn't quite good enough for God to use me. But tonight you said that everything I do matters. And the preacher said, you know, if God calls you to take sheets of leather and just punch holes in them all day long, uh, that matters to God. You can honor God by doing that, by giving him the very best that you do. And this old man was shedding tears for the first time in all his life. He began to realize that what he did mattered, even the seemingly mundane, seemingly unspiritual things, that giving his best to God in those moments was his act of worship that God delighted in. That's our lives. Some of us are wasting our lives because we are so frustrated and we hate our schoolwork. Some of us are wasting our time because we hate our jobs and we're like, I'm just doing this to get money, to put food on the table. But can we reorient our view of work? Everything that you do matters to God. And when you do it unto the Lord with the attitude, the actions, uh, the affection for God, and you do it in the best way to be a blessing to other people, no matter what you do, as long as it's not sinful, that honors God. For that one-third of your waking, of your days, even in, including in your sleep, but that's half of your waking time, using that to honor the Lord God. That's how we honor him with our time. That's how we bless him. That's how God looks at us and he says, you know what? You have not wasted what I have entrusted into your hands. But then you've got another eight hours or six hours or five hours. What you do with those hours is going to determine the kind of life that you lead. May I ask, what do you do with the disposable time that you have? With the time that you have that's not spent eating, sleeping, or doing the mandates of your calling, what do you do with that time? I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad, myself included, but I'm trying to encourage us to not live with regret tomorrow if we can make changes today so that we can live more fully for God. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said, there are only two days on my calendar which, may, which matter to me. It's this day and that day. When I stand before God on judgment day. This day, because this is the day that the Lord has made. I can't worry about tomorrow. I can't change yesterday. But today, God has given this to me. You've heard this before, tomorrow is a mystery, yesterday is history, today is a gift. That's why it's called present. Today is a gift, 
that God has given to you, a gift for you to be with your family, a gift for you to be with your loved ones, a gift for you to invest your time into the things that matter this day and that day. When you stand before God and give an account for everything that you've done with your life, this day is lived in light of that day, and that day drives everything that you do on this day and every this day that God has given you to live. How are you spending this day and the hours of every day that God entrusts into your hands? I'm reminded that Fulfilling the mandates of our call are absolutely part and parcel of what God has called us to do. I'm also reminded that there is only one life will soon be passed, that only what's done for Christ will last. How are you investing into the things that are eternal? People, the Word of God, the church, eternity. I read a couple things this week that that challenged me. It really kind of shook me uh, and brought to my mind again the things that matter. I'm reading this, this book. It's called Eat a Peach. It's basically a memoir of a, the life of a chef. And um, in this memoir, he writes, um, basically, like he, he writes about how um, his grandmother was one of the first converts to Christianity in, in that village in Korea. His parents were devoted believers. They would spend all night praying. They would wake up early and pray. Just a, I mean, just a devout, devout family. Um, but this author of this book no longer, uh, if he ever did, considers himself a Christian. And this is what he says. He says, between my grandmother, my parents, and my sister, who is, was a youth pastor, my family waterboarded me with religion. I never tried to rock the boat. But I recall looking at my parents and their fellow devotees, people like us maybe, and thinking, if they really mean this, if the only thing that matters is the afterlife, which isn't necessarily true, but if the only thing that matters is the afterlife, then why aren't we out in the field every day trying to bring more people into the fold? What are we doing just sitting around planning barbecues? And I thought about the life of the church. Like, what are, what are we doing if it's not fighting to see more people come to the redeeming and saving and hope-giving knowledge of the gospel with our lives? What are we doing if we really believe this to be true? Because when we stand before God on that day, so too will everybody else. Hebrews 9.27, just as we are destined to die once. And after that, we will face judgment. And so will every person that we've ever seen and come across in life, that we care about, that we don't care about, as well as every person who's ever set foot on this planet, will all stand before their maker. If we really believe this to be true, then how is that being reflected in the way that we spend our time? Also this week, I was reading um, a card that I received. Um, it was a thank you card. Um, one of our house church shepherds, and, and, and they were just sharing things that they uh, are, are thankful for. Thanks for being our pastor. Thanks for leading our congregation, you know, leading us in these ways. Uh, and, and this is what they said. They said, I'm most grateful because you've given me the greatest gift I could ever have, 
because of your leadership and vision, it has been possible for me to feel like my life has been used by God to do his kingdom work. For this, I am eternally grateful. That person was saying, when they stand before God on judgment day, I am forever grateful that I was able to see that I could become an instrument in the hands of my Redeemer so that the lives of other people could be changed through me, so that countries where I go to do missions that I pray about, that I give my finances to, that they could be changed, that people that I serve could be changed, that the church could be built up for that I am eternally grateful because there's only one life will soon be passed in the blink of an eye. Only what's done for Christ will last. For what are we living? For what are you living these days? How are you spending your time? Let's not just spend, let's not waste, let's invest it into that which will lead to a better tomorrow for ourselves, a better judgment day, but for countless other people that that would be a glorious day for them because they know of the one long ago who was the embodiment of what it is to be wise with this time. Jesus lived every day in light of that great and glorious day of judgment. How did he do that? What did he see? Because looking into judgment day, he saw this fact that every single person will stand before God and will be judged by a holy perfect, righteous, altogether unblemished God. We will all stand before him. And the fact of the matter is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the great judge. The wages of that sin is death, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When Jesus lived every day of his life, it was a people that he interacted with in active obedience, but it was also every day that he lived choosing to do the will of the Father, not to sin, because he knew that on that day we would need the perfection of Jesus and that perfection alone which could save us. And so when he hung on the cross and he cried out at the last, it is finished, it wasn't the cry of tiredness, It wasn't a cry of, finally it's over. It was a cry of triumph that I finished the mission that my Father has given me to do. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've done everything set before me on every day that was given in light of that day. And because of that, I can say, I did it. I did it. I did it for the love of humanity and for the glory of God. When our eyes are fixed upon Jesus, who was wise with his time, who realized that time was the greatest currency, and he gave every second of his life for the sake of his people. When we put our trust in him, it molds us, and it shapes us, and it changes us, and it reorients our desires. All of a sudden, the things that were an addiction those TV shows, those games that we play, those hobbies that we engage in, those things that we could not control, all of a sudden no longer control us, but become a servant to us in order that we might use those things to replenish ourselves, to build relationships, to be used in order that we might be able to maximize our days for the glory of God. Let's not waste 
the most precious commodity that's been given to us. Let's not just spend it either. Let's invest it each day, always and ever in light of that day. Let's pray together. Let's take a moment to, again, do an accounting of our days, of our time. Lord, forgive me for not using my time in ways that would honor you best. Lord, that you would cleanse me and purify my heart so that it can be made wholly yours, fully yours, in order that now I can live each moment of each day, in each day of my life, uh, for your glory and for your purpose. We just pray like that to the Lord for a few moments, asking him, Lord, may this one life I have be spent for your glory and for your purpose. Let's pray like that for a few moments, just committing our hearts, our days, our time to the Lord God. about to come to the Lord's table for holy communion. The author of Corinthians tells us that we ought to approach the table in a manner worthy of the gospel that the table portrays. Can we take a few moments to confess to the Lord any sin within our hearts that's unconfessed? for deceit, for hypocrisy, for laziness, for greed, for anger, for lust, for any other thing, pride. Things that rebel against God within our hearts. Things that woo us away from God. Things that make it seem like obedience to God is a burden, not a blessing spend a few moments just laying down our sin as we prepare to come to this table of grace.
Father in heaven, thank you so much that you love the world in this manner. For God so loved the world, for God loved the world like so, that he gave his one and only son, his beloved, his prize, his delight, his affection, his one and only son, that whoever the Pharisee, the prodigal, the wayward, the gossip, the adulterer, the cheater, the liar, the deceiver, the hypocrite, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have the life that is eternal that begins not when you die but begins the moment you believe a new life given to you for you to live in glorious freedom and infectious joy and overflowing love. This is our inheritance in Christ. Thank you that you've loved us at such a cost. Lord, because you've loved us, we can love you in return. Pray that you would help our love for you to go deeper and deeper still every day that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.